when your company has said we have flexibility in work i will work flexibly but i should have rights or you make us employees and put terms and conditions on us we will move forward from there you are neither here not there you bring us on board by calling us partners and now we can't even get the government benefits because we are considered partners that was the voice of Sheikh Salahuddin, who is General Secretary of Indian Federation of App-Based Transport Workers and also the founder and state president of Telangana Gigan Platform Workers Union. He was speaking to us about the paradox of being a platform worker in this current context. Welcome back to the second episode of our podcast, The Platform Predicament. Making Sense of a Datafied Future of Work. This podcast is brought to you by IT for Change and supported by Friedrich Ebert Stifting. While our first episode looked at the origin story of the world of platform work, the second episode focuses on the people without whom this world would not exist, that is, the platform workers. Pandan Pratyush, who is a software engineer and also a coordinator at the All India Gig Workers Union, brought in perspective about how real this flexibility of platform-based gig work really is. There's a lack of contract and it is still projected as a form of a flexible kind of work with a lot of freedom. Uh, so it's like you don't have a binding contract like if you're working in uber today then you may not be working in uber tomorrow like maybe uh, or maybe in the next week you will not be working as an uber driver tomorrow this is being propagated however the reality is that 90% uh, of the people stick to one company only like uh, a lot of uh, we have met swiggy delivery guys who have been swiggy delivery guys for like four or five years or even seven years in one case i remember one of the older organizers was working there an important thing to note about working in the platform economy is that algorithmic management is a central feature of all platform work. And understanding what that means is crucial before we get into any other discussion about negotiating rights for platform workers. Algorithmic management can be defined as work settings in which human jobs are assigned, optimized and evaluated through algorithms and tracked data. This has become synonymous with any type of platform-based work today. Now, in this dominant platform ecosystem, algorithmic control is wielded to entrench power through various means. While platform owners keep increasing their powers, less powerful actors in the ecosystem, such as the platform workers, small and medium-sized enterprises and consumers, remain liable for finding remedies in a network of decentralized resources, leaving them overall in a weaker position. Algorithmic management is a diverse set of technological tools and techniques to remotely manage workforces, relying on data collection and surveillance of workers to enable automated or semi-automated decision-making. This is increasingly being used not only in platform work in warehouses, but also in clerical work in home offices, challenging privacy and many other workers' labor rights. To understand more about what implications it has for workers in the platform economy, we spoke to Basudev Barman, who is a network coordinator for Ola and Uber workers and unions for International Transport Workers Federation, the New Delhi office. So at this point, if you will actually 
talk to the drivers and also see observable kind of a thing is that the company is trying to reduce human interaction as much as possible. So you will see that they are removing call center like individuals with chatbots, with automated messages and something. Managers are being removed and um, it's being routed to third party individuals and everything. So uh, the company is actually trying to uh, reduce as much as possible human interaction between the drivers and the company itself. So, uh, and even if there is an interaction, those are two third party individuals that who are not actually employed by the company itself. So they are trying to reduce their liabilities and responsibilities as much as possible at this point. Quite a few articles and even books have been written about like how algorithmic management is what drives these individual businesses and how it's through the apps that the workers are being managed in terms of where they need to go to collect their orders or collect a customer and drop them on a specific kind of a way. Uh, based on it, it determines where there would be a boost, where there would be a surge of orders, where there is a hot zone for food delivery and everything. So those are all controlled by the app itself. And it's the app that actually does much more than just supervising the workers, but more on like controlling how a worker is supposed to behave. So I can give you an example. Let's say at the end of the day, you have been driver has been driving for more than 10 hours a day and he or she or they have to actually go back home at that point because they are done for the day. At that point, the app has provided them a ride pretty far away from their original location. At that point, it's how the decision-making process actually happens. So the driver has to decide that whether he or she uh, or they are going to uh, do a dry run where they have to go for maybe 10-15 kilometers back home where they are running the petrol and not earning any money out of it or take that long-rooted way where the, the app is actually providing them a ride far away but eventually will drop them at their home means uh, close by to their home location itself. So that's a form of control that I'm seeing but there are other aspects of it also which is not limited to this control itself but this is much more visible if you'll ask any driver what the customer doesn't see is how the drivers are being moved around in a city so basically that decision itself is also controlled by the app drivers or food delivery workers when they have to pick up an order or pick up a customer it's an app that decides on how much distance uh, that individual has to cover to reach over there it can be the shortest one or the longest one then there is also the app that determines who should get the order itself based on the ratings of that individual, which is not visible to us because we always are seeing just the drivers being over there. But the app actually determines which rating a driver should actually get that order or the ride or something. So those are the other ways of control that is uh, present in it, which we uh, as a customer or an individual might not know, but it's the driver that experiences it. There is similar AI surveillance in crowd work platforms as well. Consider this finding from a recent study conducted by IT for Change on Amazon Mechanical Turk workers in India. On EMT, the processes of posting tasks, evaluating work, and compensating workers are all automated through readily available application programming interfaces or APIs as we commonly call them. Criteria for filtering workers assessing their performance and nudging them through incentives are all embedded into this code and relegated to automatic management. Even the allocation of tasks to a worker is determined automatically based on the worker's approval rating. Other decisions such as awarding a master's qualification to a worker 
are also automated and amazon treats this algorithm as proprietary which means that there is no obligation whatsoever to explain to the worker the basis of such algorithmically determined decisions the system is calibrated towards optimizing efficiency for the platform and its requesters and so communication transparency and dispute resolution are being perceived as costly impediments which would involve a human managerial layer amazon interestingly absolves itself of all responsibility in disputes between workers and requesters claiming that it is not a party to the transaction at all and herein lies the problem shek bhai from ifact whom we heard from earlier as well elaborated on how this problem of companies absolving themselves from an employer's responsibility leads to very real problems for workers on these platforms देखिए However within this there are educated less educated and there are also those who only have basic knowledge so this is what i want to say there is no issue with bringing educated and uneducated people on the same platform but part time full time temporary freelancer and you will only give insurance to those who work full time part time worker will not get insurance if you work 15 days a month only then you will get insurance what is this drama see technology is progressing and so are we that is good but that very technology is sucking our blood and giving us shock treatment those are our problems choose ke pira current shock ke jaisa hmm wo hame takleef hai shekh bhai pointed towards that one resource that is at the center of this algorithmic control data swiggy company ke agar jab if you see swiggy earlier uh, they used to pick up products from restaurants today they have opened their own kitchens in a way they are kicking us on the stomach from the front and then stabbing us in the back First, they have destroyed the small restaurant business by stealing data about customers' eating preferences from small restaurants and creating their own database. Then they are opening their own crowd kitchens, through which they are selling much more. All of this is nothing but data, right? Tomorrow they can take away our work from us as well. There will also be deliveries through drones soon, and we need to understand this. Technology is progressing. You asked me earlier, who is the boss? I am not able to see yet who my boss is. Uh, I'm only able to see this boss in the papers or on TV. Vasudev further explained to us what kind of data platform companies extract from workers and why. For the drivers, what they are doing also is this: that they are collecting data in every form itself. So you'll find that the drivers are actually filling up uh, forms, Google Forms, and everything. Continuous four or five questions or something, which is keeping on like track of their. like opinions and the other things so that's the other way of data generation that they are doing and then packaging it and selling it off to uh, like uh, maybe hotels where based on the travel of an individual they can actually decide means which are the areas that this individual can possibly stay and provide them with the targeted advertising other than that uh, the drivers data can be provided to uh, nbfcs non banking uh, financial corporations uh, so these can target them with loans or other uh, um financial assistance based on the requirements of the drivers itself so those uh, that is how these companies are packaging and using the data 
and also in terms of generating data is also continuously we as an individual are always providing them with information maybe based on location based on our choices and everything that's only for what i'm talking about ola and uber swiggy and zomato has much more in-depth understanding of it than even ola and uber because we keep on like going for them for restaurants foods and other habits so um, as it was like it's a very crude joke that says that uh, you would know a person's habits if you can just check their trash can swiggy instamart the new service that they have come in blinkit and all those services have actually record of our trash cans at this point at every point so what you eat what you consume how much do you need based on that itself so going back to that all important question why do we care simply put algorithmic surveillance in the acute absence of algorithmic accountability further deepens the skewed power dynamic between the platform company and the platform worker notice how i'm not able to simply call them employer and employee yes well as we heard in the earlier episode and from shake bhai right now the platforms have made sure to legally not be employers and for the workers to legally not be employees this fact itself is a large contestation across the world currently as it's directly linked to this accountability we speak of when the company has that much power but is not an employer what laws does the state even apply to them does it write new laws tweak the old ones or let the platforms exist in this convenient haze of little to no regulation what is the future of work when corporations are rapidly platformizing and data extraction is becoming that common and that easy well regulation for starters is the answer and uma rani from ilo spoke to this point i think the first thing i'd like to highlight is about the data monetization that is happening with data and i think this should be very clearly controlled and regulated uh, largely because much of this data belongs to the users it could be the consumers it could be the workers it could be the clients whosoever so you know if you're talking about the platforms uh, so i think the control and regulation of that data is very important and in that aspect i think both the workers and the trade unions should have a very active part in negotiating in a, and ensuring actually that there is a redistribution of this monetization to the workers and the society uh, with the value that is created as part of that so it is also significant that the ilo has recognized in its most recent report on recent work in the digital economy and i quote that platforms capture a vast amount of data on workers starting from where they are at a given moment to the web pages that they visit these data constitute a sizable source of income for the platforms which does not go to the workers some data are used to monitor work and its usage is lawful but other data can affect workers private lives and their use can be unlawful it further goes on to say that there is a thin line between one area and the other but crossing it means violating the fundamental rights to privacy end quote now given that data governance legislation is present only in a few countries as of today and even there is in relatively nascent stages of implementation It's safe to say that the question of what is lawful and what is unlawful usage of such data is evolving and therefore this is the right time for the right positions to be taken so that legislation globally can be guided. 
In this regard, Sheikh Bai also pointed out the need for treating all platform companies equally before the law, irrespective of them being national or international. Like our Prime Minister says, one nation, one card, whether it is ration card, e-shram card or driving license in the coming days. So law also should be one nation, one India. When you talk about Uber and Amazon, we have achieved many victories in international companies. Workers were given the status of workers. But in India, this did not happen. When there is no law that deals with this in India, some law should be put in place to deal with these companies. The companies here have been functioning for 10 to 12 years. Whether it's a domestic company or international, no government here has been able to regulate them. Sheikh Bhai makes the important point about unbridled and unregulated power of platform companies. It is worth delving into. Who is really running these platforms? Where is the power? Uma weighs in. Uh, actually, we did a mapping of platforms, uh, both in terms of investments and revenue that was generated from these platforms. It was a bit shocking to see that 30% of the platforms are actually based in the US. And uh, that's where most of the 30% of the investments uh, are going. The next country that comes up is actually, interestingly, India, followed by UK in terms of um, the number of platforms that are based. But if you start looking at the investment per se, it is to a very large extent uh, the US, China, uh, and some of the European countries. And there's a very big digital divide there where 96% of the investments are largely in US, Europe, and some of the Asian countries, including Pacific, whereas actually Latin America, Africa, Middle East, all of them together account for only 4% of the investment. So that speaks volumes about the digital divide. And even more shocking is the revenue figures if you start looking at it. Based on the information that we have uh, uh, collected, because this is not so easily available, unless and until you know they are IPOs and you know those documents are available to us, we found that uh, two countries, U.S. and China, account for seventy percent of the revenues that are being generated. So that 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 is where you need to actually start questioning. Okay, what's happening? You know. How can we sort of intervene and start regulating and talking about the tax base per se? And I think uh, towards that, there has been at least some effort uh, that I've seen uh, by the OECD, where you know the G7 countries have now come up last year in deciding that okay you know, uh, platform companies have to pay taxes and or technology companies have to pay taxes irrespective of wherever they are based. So, you know, there is some step forward, but if you really look at, it's still baby steps, I would say. So we see that algorithmic intelligence derived from workers' data generated through platform infrastructures is central to the platform firm's profit maximization and value extraction today. In this context, workers' data rights intersect with several additional labor rights, including decent work, equality, and non-discrimination at the workplace, and also, very importantly, access to social security. Several workers' collectives and trade unions have been attempting to bring public and state attention to this issue of data rights. For example, in 2020, 
Uniglobal Union, which is a global union for service industry workers, launched a campaign calling for collective bargaining agreements to cover algorithmic use agreements, which would include the right to know what tools are being used, knowledge of what data is being collected and why, and the right to access the data that's been collected through these tools. The Why Not Lab, which is a consultancy that focuses on workers' rights in the midst of digital change, developed a mechanism called WeClock that allows workers from a wide range of platform as well as non-platform settings to quantify their workday by tracking tasks and activities without breaching privacy norms. The intent here is to allow workers and their organizations to build and leverage data intelligence for effective negotiation with employers in platformized workspaces about wages, working time and decent work to name a few. Workers and trade unions have been making consistent efforts to actively negotiate for regulation in favour of workers, with some hits and some misses. The government of UK, for example, recently recognised Uber workers as workers entitled to social security benefits. Argentina has adopted a new law on telework that, among other things, takes cognizance of workers' privacy concerns and limits the usage of software used by companies to monitor remote work. The ILO very recently has held an expert meeting to discuss decent work in the digital economy. And in India, there is now the latest labor code on social security, which has included two new categories of workers in its definitions, platform work and gig worker. While the entitlements to these platform and gig workers have not been made binding yet, and there is contestation about whether a separate categorization is better or worse for these platform workers vis-a-vis inclusion in labor laws, it is a start. It is in follow-up of this that a team comprising of trade unions, platform workers and legal activists has filed a public interest litigation in the highest court of justice in India, the Supreme Court where they've demanded the provision of entitlements as per this labor code to gig and platform workers. We hear from Ms. Gayatri Singh, senior advocate at the Bombay High Court and part of this team. Yeah, so very, very briefly, it was during the pandemic that uh, we started having a discussion with IFAT, uh, the union representing app-based uh, transport workers. Uh, the There were several issues, uh, some of which were basically uh, that the uh, app-based workers were treated as essential workers and therefore during the COVID period, they had to carry out um, uh, the transportation services. Many of them were affected by the COVID, but no sickness uh, benefits were given to them. Many died, no compensation was paid to them. Many had to work under very precarious conditions because their uh, fuel costs had gone up, they were unable to meet their expenses, Uh, their loans were pending, they were unable to make payment of the loans. And if you see our petition, the petition, the first petitioner is IFAT, the second is a worker who uh, is a driver with Ola. And the third one, uh, Kaushar Khan, is a woman uh, driver whose vehicle was confiscated during the COVID period because she was unable to pay and it was auctioned off without her permission. that we sought in the petition are that one, these workers should be looked as workers from the point of view in terms of them 
being completely under the control and supervision of their employer. Basically, one of the, the first prayer that we sought was that the social security benefits, uh, like insurance, minimum wages, work, uh, working hours, etc., are basic fundamental rights of workers under Article 14, 19, and 21. And therefore, the existing laws, that is the Workmen's Compensation Act, the Industrial Disputes Act, the ESI Act, the Maternity Benefits Act, Payment of Graduate Act, should all be made applicable to these workers also. We also sought reliefs for uh, insurance, uh, 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 death insurance to those workers who died during the pandemic and also other benefits, uh, which were, for example, the car, the car insurance where the cars were being confiscated, that they should be compensated for, for that. Till today, even though the petition was admitted sometime back, the respondents to file their replies. They have still not filed. We had to move the registrar to ensure that, that the respondents file their replies. And now it's been kept uh, after vacations for a final hearing. What do you think uh, is the correct approach for a country such as India? And what is the approach that workers' rights activists and legal activists are advocating for? So I would just look at the uh, ILO uh, recommendation. Basically, in 2006, uh, the ILO made certain recommendations regarding uh, employment relationships. So what should constitute an employer-employee relationship uh, was an issue which was considered by the ILO and recommended to all the states. Uh, some of which were, and I just very, very briefly, because India is supposed to follow this and it has right. not done it. One of the, one of the, uh, so the national policy of protection for workers in an employment relationship was one, that the countries should basically clarify and adapt the scope of relevant laws and regulations in order to guarantee effective protection of workers who perform work in the context of an employment relationship. So what it basically means is that the laws might be there, but the laws become outdated as new forms of relationships uh, come up. And that is, that is when the countries should review the existing laws and update them. And that's why in our context, these laws were basically worker, and as I said, workplace wages are so narrowly defined that a large number of workers have been kept out of the purview of these acts. These need to be reviewed. Uh, the second uh, requirement, uh, the recommendation was that these terms, that is the terms of workers, what is the relationship between employer and employee, what constitutes that relationship, these understandings or these definitions should be clear and they should be adequate to ensure effective protection for workers in an employment relationship. So it's not just clarity, they should be able to have an effective uh, um, uh, remedy for protecting those workers. And, and thirdly, the, these policies, whatever policies that are framed by the countries should be done in consultation with the uh, representative organizations of employers and workers. Today we find there is absolutely no consultation. If you look at the code, uh, 
uh, there was absolutely no consultation and that's why various unions have objected to the framing of the these codes without taking the workers representatives into consider, uh, consideration and then the question that should be dealt with by the countries with regard to workers is what is the distinction or difference between an employed worker and a self-employed worker if we look this is the, uh, the, the these are the suggestions given by ILO it's important to recognize that all of these movements and some wins worldwide while they may be far and few have been a direct result of brave and dynamic organized workers action beat in the recent decision of taxi apps to finally start showing the drop location to driver partners or taking back new exploitative increased commission rules by a salon app platform workers voices have been the trigger and the catalyst for improving conditions of work so what is the significance of unionization in this platform economy union methods are sometimes considered and dismissed as being obsolete so do they still hold value in this new age workers rights negotiation sheikh fai spoke to us about the approach his union takes towards unionizing unionization ki baat when it comes to unionization with the first and second covid lockdown many left the industry and many new people also joined With this kind of work, every day, every month, the workers are changing. No matter what kind of platform the gig worker is working, uh, we want them to come under the same umbrella. And looking at the future, we have brought together all kinds of app-based workers through the federation. And in states like Telangana, we are trying to bring all types of gig and platform workers to the same place. No matter what kind of platform it is, whether someone works for Swiggy today or Zomato tomorrow, or if they go to Big Basket the day after and then Urban Company. they can change to any platform but remain a member of our union and we educate them that you can change as many companies as you want all these aggregator companies have the same policies we follow the same policies whether you work here or there this is an organization of gig and platform workers platform workers union ko ek hi platform pe laaye sara gig worker platform workers ka ye sangathan hai spandan shed some light on the challenges of organizing platform workers and also how the existing tools of protest have gained new meaning for this new age workforce in terms of uh, relations of work also if we talk about so if we uh, see the traditional organizing work then uh, if we talk about strikes strike is the last form of registering your protest but as far as gig work is concerned strike is the only form of dissent which they have because they they don't have any regulations on the basis of which they can challenge them so in terms of strike which is like if we see the traditional form of organizing we see strike as the last form of tool we have like n number of things which you can do before having a strike but here only when there is a strike we can actually uh, get them together and talk to them and try and organize them i mean strike is still the best way where we actually find uh, opportunities to organize them and get them unionized and formalized in a way and also because of the mobility in this kind of work it becomes a challenge like sometimes uh, uh, the strike has been called on uh, by a set of workers but a lot of those are not there in the same place uh, when the next time the strike is called after a few months because some of the demands are not met so in that uh, way also it becomes a challenge new people are coming in who are not facing the same issues 
because maybe they were unemployed earlier or maybe they were making even lesser money uh, earlier and they are in way more precarious situations also in a lot of cases the organizers have been people who are still financially better off and can actually uh, afford to go on a strike but there are a lot of people who are outsiders and are living on rent in these tier 1 cities and they cannot afford to go on a strike so then what works strike should be done strategically where it hits them the most for example swiggy has always tried to negotiate whenever uh, ipl is going to start because during ipl they have a lot of offers and they they expect a huge surge in orders both swiggy and zomato do that and that is the time when they are ready to negotiate so like last year we were planning on hitting them during one of the uh, like one of the busy days in ipl uh when oh, okay. so like if they can register a coordinated strike for some time during that time then that is the best time where they can get uh, some of their demands fulfilled saloni area durshan seva federation whom we also spoke to in episode 1 spoke to us about some lessons that new age organizing can learn from decades of union work done by informal sector unions so there are lessons that uh, the the world can learn from how the informal economy has evolved and how uh, organizations such as unions and cooperatives and others uh, are pushing for transitioning into formality and there are also lessons that seva has learned over years of work which are also valid in the case of platform workers um i'll just touch upon two of these one is that mobilizing these workers those in the platform economy economy space and those in the informal economy space and there is of course an interlinkage um mobilizing and organizing these workers is key uh into organizations such as unions such as cooperatives uh because these offer workers um not just a solidarity network but a means of negotiation with various stakeholders including the government uh to a social protection um which includes insurance health and childcare and ideally universally uh provided by the state is critical to workers uh to um make most of any uh work security or any you know uh, in, uh work engagement that they that they have access to uh and in the case of informal workers it allows them to come out of poverty and stay out of poverty importantly uh these two are i think vital or fundamental uh, if you had to speak of any lessons that the platform work world can learn from the informal work world with that we come to the end of episode 2 where we attempted to understand who really runs the world of platforms and what workers are doing to gain greater control on their own work a big thank you to all the experts for helping us break down crucial issues of workers rights and workers organizing in platformized workspaces Thank you also to all you listeners for tuning in. Stay with us as we learn more about this platform predicament in the next episode. Thanks. This podcast is brought to you by IT for Change and supported by Friedrich Ebert Stiftung. 